This is Bigger Pockets Daily, kicking off your Monday with a daily dose of real estate information and education. The article I'm about to share is one of more than 10,000 blog articles available on Bigger Pockets, but you can't read the blog when you're walking the dog or browsing the MLS. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Home prices continue to rise, but has the market reached its peak? By Ryan Barnes. This week brings the latest round of S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Indices which measure the average selling price of single-family homes nationwide. In short, selling prices have not slowed down or flattened out this summer. Instead, prices continue to rise, non-linearly, in a rather spectacular fashion. The year-over-year national average rose 16.6% in May, expanding from a 14.8% year-over-year reading in April. The Managing Director and Global Head of Index Investment Strategy at S&P Dow Jones Indices, Craig J. Lazara, had this to say. A month ago, I described April's performance as truly extraordinary. And this month, I find myself running out of superlatives. The 16.6% gain is the highest reading in more than 30 years of the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller data. In April, there were five metros that recorded their all-time highest reading. In May, Five more cities, Charlotte, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, and Seattle, recorded all-time high prints. But frankly, there's no region of the country being left behind anymore. Year-over-year price gains in all 20 metros were in the top quartile of historical performance. In 17 out of 20 metros, price gains were in the top decile of all-time readings. 
The West Coast had the three splashiest numbers, with San Diego, Seattle, and Phoenix all coming in with more than 23% increases in average selling prices over the past year. What is Case-Shiller? As a quick primer, the U.S. National Home Price NSA Index measures the 20 largest metro areas in the U.S. and is computed with a three-month moving average. More specifically, the Case-Shiller measures the 20 largest metropolitan statistical areas, or MSAs. Urban areas in the surrounding suburban counties are grouped into one MSA. The moving average part is key to our discussion here. Everything we see in newly released figures is already backward-looking by quite a bit, not only for the two-month lag itself, for example, May prints come out at the end of July, but also factoring in the moving average of the past few months. It's important to have this context when looking at a metric that is rising non-linearly. You can see a chart at biggerpockets.com of the case Schiller over the past 14 months and the vantage point as we widen the aperture to the 12 years following the Great Recession of 07 and 09. You can see that chart as well at biggerpockets.com. Key takeaways. The steady rise that was maintained through 2020 was great and sustainable. Interest rates were historically low, and personal incomes were rising along with jobs growth. The supply of homes available for sale remained a bit too low given that millennials were starting to hit their prime home buying years. They became the single largest demographic of real estate purchasers by the end of the 2010s. But this curling up of the tail in the past year is not sustainable. That's an objective mathematical certainty. The average selling prices of homes is rising faster than any of the pillar metrics can keep up with. Wages aren't rising non-linearly. Interest rates have been skirting along a floor level for a couple of years now and can't really slide any lower, especially given that inflation is running at its fastest pace in over a decade. In short, affordability metrics are moving in the wrong direction. South. We could read the tea leaves back in May when we noted the sticker shock that was hitting the faces of prospective homebuyers. Estimates vary between lenders and different investment sectors, but a fair consensus is that median home buying power rose by about 8% in the past year, thanks to rises in incomes and slightly lower mortgage rates. But that pales in comparison to a 16% plus rise in average selling prices. Here's where to point fingers. There are some important factors pushing up prices that are hopefully one-offs and will soon dissipate. The pandemic has been the biggest of these. COVID-19 initially sent city dwellers scampering for a way out of the city and into the suburbs. Their white-collar employers largely promoted this swing as the Zoom economy got into full swing. It's hard to gauge how much of the work-from-home trend will have staying power once COVID-19 finally recedes as a national health concern. But certainly enough, companies are still riding the remote work train as I type this to motivate a large demographic of people to seek homes in suburban and rural areas. This is one half of the region why the Midwest region has fastest sales pace of anywhere in the U.S. The other half of the reason? The Midwest has the lowest average selling price of any region in the country. And folks are begging for anything affordable. Anywhere. The ripple effect of higher prices. We're already seeing one of the simple yet major effects of home prices that are rising too fast. People stop wanting to pay them. 
Many people have shrugged and continued to rent, semi-content to wait and see if prices will come down. This is a powerful psychological factor given that most of us remember not too long ago when house prices went down. A lot. The ingredients that caused the big crash back in 07 through 09 aren't in place now, so it's a very remote possibility that a similar outcome could unfold today. Today's mortgages aren't issued without income verification. Standards put in place by the government and the country's biggest lenders make a pretty sturdy firewall against worst-case outcomes. But sales can and might slow to a crawl, despite so many prospective buyers. We're already seeing this in the new home sales information put out by the U.S. Department of Commerce. The report for June had the U.S. hitting a 14-month low in sales, its third straight month of declines. The 676,000 sales reported was a big miss from the expected number of 800,000. May's initially reported figure was also revised down by 45,000 homes, another sign of deterioration between handshake stage and the signature stage. The data is divided into four regions, and only the Midwest saw a net increase in sales during June. The East, South, and West, where prices are highest, all saw declines. Some pressures easing. Those hoping to see an increase in new home construction may see one glimmer of hope. Lumber prices fell by more than 50% over the past few months. In addition to supply shortages in molded fixtures, copper derivatives, and labor, lumber prices were a major crimp for home builders. Input costs rose even faster than home selling prices, leading to a big drop in building permits, which hit a nine-month low in June. The lower input costs should quickly work their way into the construction markets and help keep the necessary flow of new properties humming. But despite improvement in the month's supply of homes, it's still not enough to meet the needs of millennial buyers nor the flow of remote workers seeking larger homes away from cities. This is why average selling prices keep hitting new records despite the solid uptick in available inventory. It's always good to keep an open mind when dealing with something unprecedented. There's no modern precedent for COVID-19, certainly not in a digital economy, so we don't know just how pervasive the flee-to-the-suburbs trend will become. There's also no precedent for all the stimulus and intervention we've had over the past couple of years, and the possible subsequent effects on inflation and mortgage rates. But don't be a chaser of an incremental property to add to your portfolio, not at these levels. Homes cannot and will not act like stocks, crypto, or any other asset class. All those other things can be purchased by someone with just a few hundred or thousand bucks to toss around. That is not the case with single-family properties. Once price gains are double that of purchasing power gains, the party's about over. Expect to see a plateau as the overall sales pace slows down mightily until inventories can keep up with the rampant demand. And that will take some time, 12 to 18 months at minimum, given the extreme lag times in construction. Congratulations! You just got smarter and one step closer to reaching your real estate investing goals. You know what else will make you smarter? Setting up keyword alerts in your Bigger Pockets profile. Go to Account Settings, Alerts, and set up alerts for the market or strategy you're interested in. For example, Turnkey or Kansas City. You're guaranteed to connect with like-minded investors who share similar goals. Want to hear more Bigger Pockets daily? Check out some older episodes you missed.
Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow.